Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Um, hey, can I be re- real with y'all this morning? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna need a little love today, okay? Um, I'm gonna need a little love as we as we press in and as as we look in. Um, we are in literally just a couple days removed, a few days removed of our city. I mean, our our church building rather being vandalized with um, uh, racial slurs and vulgar images. And, and we're, we're at a moment, and this is, uh, as I have told you before, this is a kainos moment. In the Greek, kainos as opposed to chronos doesn't mean just time. It means a specific time, an, an anointed time, a critical time. And as a church, we're here at a kainos moment. And so I want to help us and to lead us to press into this moment. And in order to do that today, I'm going to need a little love and I'm going to need a little help, Okay. So tell the, person, tell the person beside you, he needs a little help today, all right? He needs, he needs, a, little, he needs a little help, all right? Here's, here's, what, here's what I believe. How we respond, how we respond to the circumstances that we are facing will determine whether or not we arrive at unity together, okay? How we, how we respond. Now, here's, here's, here's why this is hard, and here's why I'm going to need a little bit of love. Um, what we are trying to do isn't easy. What we're trying to do is challenging. We aren't asking you to come in here and to be comfortable um, and to hear music that you like and to worship with people that you like and to go to community group with people that look like you. Um, what we're trying to do is significantly uh, challenging as um, a church, and what that means is that there are, are different cultural experiences and backgrounds and ethnicities and genders and generations that are coming together to try to do this uh, together, which, which makes it, it, it challenging. And, and any time that you have uh, two people or two entities coming together, there has to be a cooperation in order for them to arrive at healthy unity and relationship together. Let me break it down for you. For those of you who are married, don't say this out loud, but how long did it take for you and your spouse to arrive at healthy unity together after you got married? All right. Hopefully you experienced it some in seed form whenever you were dating or whenever you got married, but that most likely was a process of maybe days or weeks or months or years to arrive at a place of healthy unity together. All right. So I say it like this way. My wife and I, we've been married for eight wonderful years and two not so wonderful years. Um, and the reason I say it is because it's, it took a couple years at the very beginning to figure out the differences from one another and then to be able to um, have empathy for one another and, and the reality that each of us are facing to try to arrive at a place of oneness and unity. Are you with me? It's the same for relationships that are outside of marriage, relationships in, in the church. Let me break it down for you. I'm just going to, I'm trying to dodge this. I'm not going to dodge it. I'm just going to go ahead and dive in. We have... Um, Various cultures that are represented in our church body, that are represented in our country. We have one of the most diverse countries in the world, by the way. And our country and our city and our church is only going to become more diverse in in the future. Whenever two parties, two relationships, two people, two entities come together with different cultural experiences and backgrounds, it takes empathy in order to arrive at a unity. Um, So, for instance, if you look like me. Your skin looks like me. If you've had a similar experience like uh, me, um, and I'm not going to try to categorize all people that look like me in the same category, but if you look like me, there are probably similar experiences that you have had in our culture, in our city, in our world that you have faced or that you haven't faced that are probably indicative of the way that you look. 
to avoid that or to excuse that away or to act like that isn't true is, is just a farce. There are certain realities that we treat people based on the way that they look or their gender or their generation that we, we just do naturally, and it's a part of our culture. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a, a good thing. It's, it's, a, it's a harmful thing, which means that you have a certain kind of experience in reality. Just because of the family that you grew up in or the, the context in which you grew up or the experience that you, you had a certain cultural experience. Every single one of us is culturally conditioned, all right? That's not necessarily a bad thing. It just is a is thing, which means if you look like me, you have a certain cultural conditioning that is in your life. Now, if you don't look like me, if your skin is a different a tone than mine, darker than mine, quite darker than mine, you have a reality, you have a different reality and an experience in our culture. All right, and, and I don't want to act like I can categorize everybody that, has, that looks different than me, that you're in the same category and you've experienced all the same things. But there is a reality that you have had a certain experience because of the way that you look um, that is different than people that look different than you. We have to at least to get there and understand that. See, that was true in Scripture as well of what Paul was writing into in Ephesians in our series, Walls Fall Down. We're looking through this. There was a different way that Gentiles were treated as opposed to Jews. There was a different reality and cultural experience that Jews had than Gentiles had. It was just different. And so Paul is, is helping us and writing into us to help us to understand how to, get the, how to come together and how to work together and how to have unity uh, together. Now, so here's what I'll say. If you look like me and you probably had an experience like me, um, which is a typical um, white experience in America, I and people who are like me need certain levels of empathy and understanding in order to take steps towards unity and, and harmony. I didn't arrive at the place that I have arrived at, and I haven't fully arrived yet, but I haven't arrived at the place that I have ar arrived at in two days. I didn't turn on the news two days ago and be like, racism, and then like automatically be who I am today. It didn't happen. It took a long, it's been years and years and years of conversations, of proximity, of empathy, in order to understand certain realities that are different than my reality. It started for me in 2012. I think I've said this before. A friend of mine, Chris Green, I was working with him at a church. He's an African-American sharing the same office. 2012, the Trayvon Martin situation happened, and I had no clue what, what was going on and didn't understand the things that were going on. And I asked him, I said, can you tell me what is going on and, and why you feel this way and why others feel this way? And for the very first time, he told me what his experience was as a black man in America. It was the first time I ever, ever heard that. And it wasn't like the next day, I was just completely revolutionized. I, no, at first I doubted it, at first I criticized it, at first I kind of challenged it, and it actually took me a long season and a long process of loving him and understanding him and of him loving me in order to arrive at a place of healthy unity together. So there's empathy that's necessary for, let's just say, folk on this side to help take steps towards unity. Are you with me? The same is true of, of, of folks that are on this side, that folks that are, are different, have a different cultural experience um, than, than I have had. If you are an African-American or a dark-skinned person in our culture, you probably have had a certain experience that has been true of probably the majority of your life. After the vandalism this past week, I got on the phone and, and called several people that are in my community group, um, not as quickly as I should have called them, but I called them uh, to ask about their reality and what they're facing. And one of the, one of the girls uh, that I called, um, I said, hey, how are you feeling with this? And I know you saw it on social media, and it's on our church building. Like, I mean, just how are you doing? And she said, I'm actually kind of numb. I'm actually kind of numb because the first time that happened to me, I was seven years old. 
And it's happened to me several other times ever, ever since. This isn't anything new to me. And so I'm kind of frustrated, but I'm actually kind of numb because I've, I've seen this before dozens of times. The tendency for someone that is, is over here that has lived this, that have, has walked this, that has experienced this, is to really get in a place where you're tired of it. You're tired. You're frustrated. Um, Eric Mason in his book, Woke Church, calls this race battle fatigue. You've been battling this, and you've been fighting this for so long, you just get tired, and you just get frustrated. You just want to throw your hands up in the air and, and, and be done. And what, we're, what I'm saying today is that we want to help you also come to a place of healthy unity together, okay, where we recognize your situation, we recognize your situation, and recognize that there's different levels of empathy and love for us to come together in the middle. Are you with me? That's the best I can break it down. That's the best I can break That's what Paul is writing into today in our series, Walls Fall Down. I told you the first three chapters about doctrine, second three, second three chapters are about duty. Today, he makes the change, he shifts gears between doctrine and duty, from principle and practice. Today, he gets practical, all right? So tell your neighbor we're going to get practical. We're going to get practical. And he's going to give you, he's going to give you the tools for your Christian toolbox. I didn't, I didn't know I had a Christian toolbox. He's going to give you the tools for your Christian toolbox in order to maintain unity together. Somebody say maintain unity. Maintain Maintain unity. I'm going to need a little bit more enthusiasm or this sermon is going to be way longer than it should be. All right. (laughs) So Ephesians chapter 3, before I jump in, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, before I jump into verse 1, I also want to give you a little bit of a teaser. At the end of today's sermon, I am going to issue to all of us a walls fall down challenge. Some of you have been asking, what should I do, Ethan? I hear this, I hear this, I hear this. Just tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do today. And you'll be like, I wish I would not have asked for him to tell me what to do. Today we're going to issue for you a walls fall, fall, a walls fall down challenge, which is going to um, include uh, developing a rela- relationship, going through this challenge with someone that is of a different ethnicity than you, as well as walking through this book by Eric Mason, Woke a Church. All right? And so I'll walk that I'll walk through that for you at the end. But here we go. Let's dive into the text. Ephesians chapter 4, if you've got a Bible, beginning in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll put the verses on the screens for you, and you can grab a Bible at the lobby if you don't have one. Tell your neighbor he's got to go fast. You're like, why does he do that all the time? Why does he always say that? Why does he always telling me to talk to my neighbor? Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says this. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, and he literally means a prisoner. He's probably in a prison in Rome. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He's telling you, you guys have been saved. You have been changed. You are Christians. You got the blood of Jesus all over you. You are now new. You are God's people. You are God's church. And I want you to walk this out in a manner worthy to the calling in which you have been called. I want you to walk it out. I want the way that you walk this out with people to be... um, to be similar to the way in which Jesus has given his life for you. That's the kind of way I want you to walk this out. I want you to walk this out. Now, I have to point out here at the very beginning that Paul, as he mentions this as a baseline, he says, by the way, I am a prisoner for the Lord. He's a prisoner for the Lord, which means he's literally in prison, in chains. He's riding in a prison cell back to this church in Ephesus, And he has been imprisoned because of his faith and because he is a minister of the gospel and because he's a follower of Jesus, and people are trying to shut that down. The enemy is trying to shut that down. 
is losing his life, literally, and he will die because of his faith and the way that he is following Jesus. I'll say it this way. The call to follow Jesus is a call to lay down your life. We just got to understand that together, y'all. This is never going to work if it's about you. This is never going to be never going to work if this is about your political party. This is never going to work if this is about your cultural opinions. This is never going to work if this is about you. At the end of the day, this has to be what we are doing here has to be not about us but about God and about others. And we have to lay down our lives in order for this to work. It's true of marriage as well. Some of you are young married folk, and you have not learned the lesson yet that you have to lay down your life in order for you to succeed at marriage. All right, so just quick, just quickly need you to understand that the sooner, did somebody say amen? Y'all better, y'all better watch out. Ooh, watch out. The sooner that you determine to lay down your life, the sooner you will arrive at marriage success. And for us as a church, the sooner that we get to the point where we are willing to lay down our life for the sake of others is the moment in which we can arrive at success as a church. Um, i got to skip a few points because i got way too much content today. I'm going to jump down to this point. Literally, i got way too much content. Um, so we've got to go quick. I'll jump down to this point. The reality is that we love our opinions more than people. I mean, let's just, be, let's just be honest. At the end of the day, you don't really care about that person that disagrees with you. You care more about your opinion than you do them. You, you would be willing to elevate your opinion and sacrifice them so that you can be rewarded rather than sacrifice your opinion and elevate them for the good of others. It's just, it's just a cultural climate in which we, we live in. At the end of the day, you care more about you than you do other people. And I do too. At the end of the day, I care about my well-being, about my success and status and well-being than I do yours. And the only way that this works is when I get to a point where I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And all of the convenience and comforts and perspectives and opinions that I have for your good. My wife and I, we, we practice this thing in our marriage called uh, restoring the relationship. And you're like, Ethan, Pastor Ethan, your relationship isn't restored sometimes. Um, our, we uh, face conflict in our relationship and brief moments of conflict. And we have, to, we have this thing that we call restoring the relationship, which, which means one of us has to get to a point, if there has been an offense, there's been something that we have been wronged against, that we have to get over ourselves and over our pride and over whatever the issue was and restore the relationship because that thing isn't more important than our relationship. That I'm saying you are more important than this thing. Whatever this thing is, and maybe it isn't insignificant, maybe it is serious, or maybe it was where to go to dinner uh, tonight, or what, how to spend our finances, or what kind of drapes we need to have in the living room, or where our kids should go to school, or whatever it is. I mean, I'm say, it could be significant, but I'm saying you are more important than that. And more than I want that thing, I want you. What if we did that together and said, I want you, I care about you. 
I, I know we got this, we got this, we got differences, and we got offenses and, and all these things, but I want you. I care about you. And all this other stuff is, is measly compared to you. Can I have you? I want you. That's how the church has to live and how the church has to operate. You got to care about people more than your opinions. And Paul was a, Paul was a master at this. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I may save some. And I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. He said, I don't care about the other stuff. I may have been this, I may have been this, and this may be my identity, and this may be my perspective or my background or my culture or my experience, but that isn't more important than people. And I'm going to put this to the side for the sake of people. And I'm going to be willing to get over my mess and over my stuff in order for people to know Jesus and for us to have a relationship together in the church. We've got to start caring more about uh, people more than our opinions. And can I just say this? Um, America has, done, uh, America has done a good job at making disciples. Um, sometimes I think America has done a better job at making disciples than the church. I love America. I would rather live here than anywhere else. I love, I love our nation. I love our country. Pray for our leaders. I'm happy to be an American. I'm glad to be an American. But being American is secondary. Not even, not even, for me, it's not even secondary. It's like third-dairy or fourth-dairy or fifth-dairy, however you, however you say that. It's some airy down the line. And I'm not saying it's not important, but there, there are other things in my life that are more important. All right? I am a follower of Jesus first and foremost, and I'm going to follow him regardless of what anybody else says. And he defines me, and he calls me to do what he has called me to do. All right, that was a rant. Verse 2. Somebody say, get back to the text. Verse 2. Verse 2. Stay on it. Verse, verse 2 of chapter 4. He now moves into the characteristics that you need in your toolbox. Verse 2. With all humility. Somebody say humility. And gentleness. Somebody say gentleness. With patience. Say patience. Bearing with one another in love. Say that. Verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, eager, ferocious, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Number one, here's the first tool you need, humility. Here's what humility means. It means a humble attitude or without arrogance. I'm just going to say it. We got some arrogant people in our church. We got some arrogant people in our culture. We got some arrogant people in our city. People that think they've got it all figured out, think that they have arrived, think like they understand how everything should go. Just because you watch the news at night does not qualify you to run a nation. You act like you've got it all figured out and you know all of our problems, and if you were in charge, you would do a way better job. You hadn't led more than five people your entire life. How do you think you'd leave 300 million people in a country? Are you Are you? Think about the arrogance of that. You could do it better. You could figure it out. Like somehow God has blessed you with all this amazing knowledge. Why don't you just write a book or something, okay? And then we could all benefit from your, from your knowledge. This, and here, and here's, here, here's what's true. You're like, and you're like how, do, how do you know that, Ethan? Because I'm talking to myself as well. 
uh, God is... Um, God has wrecked me over this over the past uh, few weeks. There's a, there's a verse in Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, verse 8, and I read it, uh, went through it a couple weeks ago, where Paul says that he was the least of the saints. Now, this is the apostle Paul, by the way. <laughs> this is like the guy that planted more churches than he can count. This is a guy that God used to actually write the Bible. All right? And he's like, I'm the least of the saints. And I read through that, and it was like God was saying, why don't you think that, Ethan? And I don't, I don't, I don't think that. Um, at the end of the day, I think I'm an amazing pastor. I think I'm awesome. And I think if you would just agree with me and follow with me when we could get where we're going a lot quicker than we could go without you disagreeing with me. Um, and, and God's been wrecking me over that. And I've got to con- confess that to you and say, uh, that don't work. That isn't what we signed up for. That is not walking in a manner um, worthy of your calling. That's not what he has, has called me to. That's completely antithetical to what he has called me to. This past week, I was spending some time over dinner with um, a more chu- mature um, family in our church, um, which means they're older than me. Um, they actually have been Christians longer than I have been alive. And they're covenant members of our church, and they come here every Sunday, and they sit under my teaching every Sunday. And I was just floored by that this week. They're going to submit themselves to some young punk pastor and follow him and submit to him in his leadership. And I was just so honored this week that you would, would follow me and it's it's not about it's not about it's not about me it's it's about the church it's about what God has called us to and whether I'm in this position or not you're following uh, the leader and the pastor that God has given um, you and so I just got to say here at the beginning that I have not arrived I'm learning and I'm growing as I mature and as I seek the Lord and I got to repent of my acting like I'm the expert on the issues and like I got it all figured out because I don't and I've said this before but a pastor must be patient with the spiritual maturation of his congregation, which means sometimes I got to wait on you and I got to be patient with you. But the opposite is true as well, that the congregation must be patient with the spiritual maturation of their pastor. And I don't have it all together and I hadn't figured it out and I'm growing and I'm a work in progress and I'm trying to repent as much as possible because I know that the Lord is growing me and and helping me. But we will not do this without humility, y'all. We cannot do this without uh, humility takes humility. Here's a second tool in your toolbox. Gentleness. This is going to sting. Gentleness means gentleness of attitude and behavior in contrast with harshness in one's dealings with others. If we took your social media post for the last 30 days and posted them on the screen in front of everyone to see would your dealings on social media be described as gentle? If we pulled up your text message conversations between your family and your friends over the past 30 days and put them on the screen, would your interaction with them be characterized as gentle? Um, I'm not saying that uh, there isn't a moment and a time and a window where something else is necessary. Jesus also demonstrated other realities, but but Jesus was gentle. Jesus was gentle. 
especially with the least of these, especially with those that were broken, especially those that were hurt and that were lost and that were different than him and didn't even believe what he believed. He was gentle with them and he loved them and he, and he helped them. Are you gentle with the people that are around you, with the people who are different than you? Are you gentle with um, the people that you perceive as ignorant or misguided? Are you gentle in your dealings with them? Are you gentle on social media? Are you gentle at your workplace? you got to have gentleness. And here's, here's the reality is that in order for us to be able to hold hands and do this together, we got to be gentle with one another. Hey, everybody isn't going to walk as fast as everybody. Some of y'all way out in front, okay, you need to slow down a little bit and help the people that are behind. Hold their hand. Help them. We know you're fast. We know you could get there a lot quicker by yourself. you got to slow down, though. you gotta, you got to help us. you got to help the little ones that aren't as far along as you and hold their hand and be gentle and be willing to walk with them through the process as we try to pursue unity. He goes on, he says, you not only need the tool of humility and the tool of gentleness, but you also need the tool of patience. I know all of y'all are good at patience. Here's what patience means, a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation <laughs> and without complaint or irritation. Why does he tell you you need patience? Because it doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen quickly. It's hard. It's challenging. Unity does not come easily or quickly. You can't, um, you got to be patient with people. You can't write them off the first time that they disagree with you. The first time somebody offends you or says something wrong in community group or, or says something really wrong in community group. you got to be patient with them. Help them. Love them. Help them understand. You can't just bail. You just can't walk out. You just can't give up. You got to stay in the game. You got to stay in here. You got to be patient with people. You got to be long suffering. Recognize that everybody's on their own journey and everybody's taking their own steps. You got to be patient. And then he says this one the fourth tool in your toolbox you got to bear with one another. Bearing it. That, that, bearing it has that idea of, of you're carrying a weight. I mean, you got something that. Somebody else has a, a load that they're carrying, and you come and you put your arm around them, and you say, I got this with you, okay? We're going to carry this together because it's too much for you, but if I carry it and I help you, we can carry this together, and we're going to walk together. We're going to bear with one another in love, he says. The, um, the word here for, I love this, the word for uh, bearing, it means to be patient with in the sense of enduring possible difficulty. <laughs> Why would he say that? Well, because this is difficult, because this is going to be difficult for us. It's not going to be easy. And this is true, not only ethnically speaking, y'all, this sermon would apply to an all-white church or all-black church or all-Hispanic church or all-whatever church. This is necessary in order for unity to happen in any kind of church, much less a church like ours. You've got to bear with one another in love. And then he says this, maintaining the unity of the spirit in the body of peace. I'm sorry, in the bond of peace. I love this. Here's, here's, what, here's what he says. He says, maintain. Maintain is the same word as maintenance. Maintain means you already have something, you just got to work on it. Here's what that means. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus in the body of Christ, you already have the spirit of God in you. You already have, we have the same spirit, you got it. I got it. We got the spirit of God in us when we trusted Christ, when the Holy Spirit came in us and made us alive, filled us, gave us gifts, gave us power, gave us his name, gave us his love, gave us a new mind, gave us a new heart. We got that spirit of God in us. And he says, you got to maintain the unity of the spirit, the unity of the spirit. Um, I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, our unity in diversity is a picture of the Trinity. Our unity and diversity is a picture of the Trinity. I get this from John 17, verses 20 through 21. Jesus says this, 
I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is is saying, God, the kind of unity that we have together, he's saying to the Father and to the the Spirit, the, the, the kind of unity Uh, that we've experienced together in relationship, that we've had for all of time, all eternity, I want them to have that same kind of unity. I want them to to look like us in the way that we have a relationship together. I want them to have the same kind of relationship together, which which means our unity in diversity. It's a picture of the Trinity. And so Paul says, maintain that. Got the Holy Spirit in you. Maintain that. I love the way that Larry Osborne says it. He says this, unity is the one thing that can't be left to chance. But unity doesn't just happen. You have to work at it day after day because if you don't, it quickly slips away. Quickly slips away. And can I just be honest with y'all? Like, the hardest part of my job is unity. I mean, preaching sermons is, is hard, but I mean, it's kind of easy. I mean, for me, it's just yeah, reading my Bible, um, putting together a calendar, reaching out to people. Most of those things are, are pretty easy. What's hard is maintaining unity with you. That's hard. I mean, that's like, that's like the hardest thing that I have to do. I offend a staff member. I got to apologize. And I got to go to them and swallow my pride and say I was wrong. And I was sorry. Will you forgive me? Can we keep doing this together? Because I wasn't right. That's hard, y'all. When's the, when's, when's the last time you went to somebody in the church and apologize for something that you had done to them. When's, when's the last time that you did that? That we just didn't act like, oh, I'm fine. How are you today? I'm fine as well. Great to see you at community group tonight. Yeah, great. See, see you next week. All right. Hi. And you get in the car and you're like, do you believe what she said to me? Can you believe that they would act that way? Did you hear what they said? It's like, no, 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 no. Reconcile. Unity, like have unity, like go, go back and apologize and talk about it and talk, work it out and talk. You got to maintain the unity. Can't let that happen. And here we'll, we'll end, verse 4, verse 4, 5, and 6. He says this. He puts a little cherry on top of his unity cake. He says this in verse 4. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call, and one Lord and one faith, One baptism, I think he's trying to think of as many things as he can. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's like him trying, with a pen, his best way to try to demonstrate the oneness and the unity that we have. This is a sevenfold unity that Paul speaks over us. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. We're one, y'all. We're one. Not two lords, two faiths, two churches, two bodies, two baptisms, two gods. No, it's the same God. It's the same church. It's the same faith. It's the same baptism. It's the same Lord. And we got the same hope. We're one. We're one. And let's not act otherwise. If Jesus died to tear walls down, let's not build them back. All right, let's tear them down and let's fight for reconciliation and fight for unity together and love one another. So what should we do about it? What should we do? I'm glad you asked. The Walls Fall Down Challenge. Today, we are issuing to you the Walls Fall Down Challenge to anyone and everyone 
who is ready to make progress in the area of racial reconciliation. And in order to complete the challenge, you must partner together with someone who is of a different ethnicity than yourself. And so we've got a few action steps that we would encourage you with. Number one, number one, find a partner to join you in the challenge. And it has to be someone of a different ethnicity than you. And some of you are good at math. And you're like, how are we supposed to do that in the church because the numbers aren't adding up quite right? You're on to something, which means we're going to have to go outside of the church in order to make this happen, okay? Um, Pastor Sean can't do this with 10 people, okay? All right? He, he, didn't, he, he said he loves y'all, but he can't do this with 10 people, all right? He only needs to do this with one person, okay? And, 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 and so what this means is you need to pray, you need to ask. Maybe you don't have any relationships at all with anyone of a different ethnicity than you. Maybe you need to pray, you need to seek the Lord, you need to ask God, is there somebody in my, on my street? Is there somebody, my coworker? Is there someone that I know, maybe at the gym, someone that would be willing to do this with me? Even if they're not a Christian, I got somebody in my mind that I'm praying about, that, that I'm going to ask, that, I'm, that I've built a little bit of a relationship with who's of a different ethnicity than me. I'm not, I'm not even completely sure of all of his spiritual um, life or history or, or background, but I'm, I'm going to ask him to do this and say, hey, man, there's, there's an issue. He knows there's an issue. I know there's an issue. Let's do this together. Would you be willing to partner with me in this challenge so that you can help me and help, and help me get, get through this and help me to grow? So number one, find a partner to join you in the challenge. Number two, register yourself and your challenge partner online at thebridgeilm.com slash wallsfalldown. Uh, we want to know. We want to help you. We'll create a list, a distribution list, to be able to send out resources and to be able to connect with you. We want to know that you're doing the challenge. And so sometime over the next a few days, once you find your partner, go online and register. Number three, buy the book Woke Church. Buy the book Woke Church um, by Eric Mason. And you can get it on Amazon for about 10 or 11 bucks. Uh, get one for you. Um, have your partner buy one as well. And begin to read uh, the book. And, and then... Um, to be able to have conversations about this. The reason that we picked Woke Church, some of you are going to ask, Eric Mason is really at the tip of the spear of this conversation. He's going to say some things that are going to be very challenging to many of you. And I don't necessarily agree with 100% of everything that he says in the book, but I think he's brilliant. And I think he's onto something, and I think he understands uh, something. Um, as an African-American pastor in our culture, um, our church has participated, our staff has participated in his conferences over the past few years. I believe that he is incredibly theologically robust while also being culturally aware, and he blends them two together in this book in a, in a beautiful way. All right, so get the book, uh, begin to read the book, and then number four, schedule a time to meet together with your partner to start at level one. Level one, you're like, how many levels are there, Ethan? Le there are five levels. Here's level one. I'll walk through these real quick for you. Level one. Level one is repentance. Reconciliation will never happen apart from repentance. I love what Felicia said this morning in her prayer is that we've got to repent first. We got the, and she's standing up here as an African-American woman after everything that we've experienced this week, and she prays a prayer of repentance. That's just beautiful because reconciliation will never happen apart from repentance. we got to turn and we got we got to shift that all of us struggle with prejudice in our hearts and don't even dare to say, I'm not a racist, I don't struggle with racism, I never have. We have prejudice in our hearts that we have to overcome on a regular basis, and so we're going to repent. For level one, we challenge you to take the step of confession and repentance together with your challenge partner. Confess any and all prejudice that has been in your heart or life, and then pray a prayer of repentance together for any and all prejudice that has been in your heart or life. Level two, level two, respect. In order for reconciliation to happen, we have to respect others that are different than us. 
we got to learn to love and delight in our God-given differences. Um, and our diversity together displays the diversity of God. So we've got to learn to uh, love one another, uh, educate ourselves on one another so that we can respect our differences. For level two, we challenge you to purchase the book, Woke Church, begin reading the book, and then schedule times to get together and discuss the book with your challenge partner. Um, there are nine chapters in the book, so figure out a schedule that works for both of you. Number three, level three, relocation, relocation. Reconciliation will never happen without relocation or proximity. Proximity breeds empathy, but distance breeds suspicion. And most of us rarely cross cultural lines and create proximity with others who are different than us. And if we continue to operate in our own cultural silos, we'll never create the proximity necessary to learn and love other cultures. For level three, we challenge you and challenge your partner to take one step of relocation for at least the next 60 days. Relocation is a broad concept, um, so we f- uh, you have to figure out what makes sense for you. Here's a few suggestions. Where you eat, very simple. Maybe you could go to different restaurants. Maybe you could go to different coffee shops. Maybe you could just operate in a different cultural context than where you normally operate from. Number two, um, where you play. Maybe there are places where you recre- recreate. Um, maybe where you go to the movies. Um, maybe um, where you... Um, Go to the gym, maybe where your kids are involved in a sports league or dance or something like that, and, and change where you play for the next 60 days. As well, where you learn. Are there alternate sources of information or alternate news channels where you could get an alternate perspective even if you disagree with that perspective? Relocate the way that you learn for 60 days. You only read one blog, one website to get your news information. You only watch one news channel uh, to get your information. Try a different news channel so that you are not a clone, so that you're knowledgeable. We'll move on. Where you live. Here's the last one, where you live. Maybe you should relocate where you live. And you're like, Ethan, for the next 60 days? No, for longer than that. Is there an area of town that you can move into in order to surround yourself with differences? This is the ultimate form of relocation. Everybody doesn't have to do this. It's just a suggestion. If you relocate where you live, it will impact your street, your neighbors, your shopping, and your school district. And Jesus left his neighborhood to enter yours, so maybe he's calling you to do the same. We'll keep going. Level four, relationship. Level four relationship. The goal is not primarily multi-ethnic worship gatherings. The goal is multi-ethnic lifestyles, relationships. Meaningful reconciliation cannot happen apart from meaningful relationships with those who are different than us. So for level four, we challenge you and your partner to continue a meaningful relationship together. By meaningful, we mean at least share um, a couple meals together. And if you can welcome one another into your home, that is encouraged. If not, figure out a creative way to make, creative way to make that happen. And then level five, this is the final one, restoration. And what we mean by re- restoration is biblical restoration. It means participating in justice opportunities and conversations related to racial reconciliation. So for level five, we challenge you and your partner to attend a community event or forum related to the topic of racial reconciliation. Many opportunities for this in our city. We'll be sharing some in the days and the weeks ahead. Find one that fits well for you and your partner and make plans to attend. And here's the last thing I'll say. This is the trellis. I'm giving you the tools, but you cannot make this happen on your own. I cannot make this happen for you. The trellis is only sufficient if the vine grows in it, which requires the Spirit of God to change your heart, the Spirit of God to help you, to love you, to lead you, to help you from where you are to get to where you should be. And all of us have a place where we should be. 
And so we're praying and we're begging and we're asking for God's spirit to move in this, for the unity, the unity that he has already declared over us, for it to be true in our lives, that we would walk according to the spirit, that these tools are actually the fruit of the spirit, that we would press into the spirit of God and let God to lead us and convict us and change us to be able to live this out. All right, you ready for this? This is the challenge. We're going to be talking about this over the weeks ahead. I encourage you to go ahead online and to, well, to find a partner and to go online and register and to make this happen. All right? Let's pray. Father, we, um, we ask today that you would, you would help us and that you would lead us to be able to live this out and to practice this. God, at the end of the day, we want unity together. We want unity. We want to love one another and serve one another well. And so, God, we ask for God-ordained, spirit-filled unity in our lives. And not God, please don't let the enemy creep in. Please don't let the enemy divide and cause division in our church because we need you and we need unity. So we ask this, and all God's people said, amen.